feet this morning as we get back to our series entitled In Christ. That is a phrase used multiple times in this letter. And so, however you prefer, you can be turning there. Um, if, if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, we recommend version. And with it, you can have the Word of God at your fingertips. You can find plans to help it make sense. And you can even follow along with our screens while you're here. Just go to events and search First Baptist Potosi. Uh, so last time, it's been a while since we were in, in Ephesians, but last time we saw, like the Ephesians, before we were in Christ, we were all separated uh, by our sinful actions, by our sinful condition, and even by our ethnicity. And so before we were in Christ, we were without Christ. And just uh, let that soak in what that means, completely exposed, unshielded to the wrath of God Almighty. We were strangers from the covenants, it tells us in chapter 2, verse, verse 12. Those covenants that, that God made with Israel that shaped them eventually brought Jesus and the new covenant, cut in his blood, and Jesus changed everything. We are no longer separated, now we are reconciled in Christ. The two sides, wretched sinner and holy God, have been brought together through Jesus. Now church, listen, there is no greater divide than wretched sinner and holy God. And if Jesus can bring unity to wretched sinner and holy God, then he can bring unity to our relationships, whatever divide we may come against. That's part of what makes the gospel so incredible. That's part of what makes the church so incredible. I mean, think about who we are. Different people from different walks of life, different families, different, different backgrounds, uh, different uh, economic backgrounds, sometimes uh, different political leanings, different generations. Honestly, the only thing we may have in common is that we are, are in Christ. But being in Christ brings us together. That's what the church is designed to be. God's people from across all these differences, unified as one body, equipped with the gospel, coming together to support and encourage, even if we don't see eye to eye on everything. See, we don't don't focus on, on the differences because whatever we focus on becomes bigger. We focus on who we are in Christ. We focus on 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 Jesus. What does he want for us? If he were to write a letter to First Baptist Church in Potosi like he did for the churches in Revelation, what would he say? What does he want for us? Unfortunately, many times, um, it's very easy for that not to be the focus. What What does Jesus want for us? We have to work at making what Jesus wants for us our focus. But it's when we are supported and encouraged by this church family made up of so many different people, And as we are in tune with with the voice of God through study of his word, not just here on Sundays, but throughout the week, from that support and encouragement, then we're ready to go out and together and live on mission and be the light of Christ to this community and beyond. Now, don't we know that, that Satan tries to divide us? He doesn't want us to be a healthy church. He doesn't want this church to function like it should. He wants to stir up enmity among us. Remember that word from chapter 2? Hostility or reason for opposition. Satan wants to put one difference against another. One preference against another. He wants us to forget that we are all on the same team. 
And I'll just go ahead and announce it. It's not Team Pastor Jim. And it's not Team, insert your name. It's Team Jesus. We are on Team Jesus. And when we remember that, and we make the choice to, be, to live like that, then we can move forward and love each other. When we realize that every one of us has a role to play in this body of Christ. Every one of us is here for a reason. In Christ we come together. In Christ we're unified. In Christ we're reconciled. And if Jesus can bridge the gap between wretched sinner and holy God, then he's able to bridge the gap between believers and and be encouraged. He's able to bridge the gap between the relationships in your life as well. I know uh, some of you may... Uh, you may have some, some severed relationships between a, a parent, a, a daughter, a, another family member. Jesus can bridge that divide. You can write this down on your outline. It's the first blank. Jesus reconciles. Jesus reconciles. And maybe you think, well, I've been waiting for Jesus to reconcile this relationship for years. And I've all but lost hope that it will ever happen. So what do we do in the divide? What do we do in those, those difficult and heavy battles Come, well, we're going to see it in Ephesians later in chapter 6. We fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. We claim the promises of God's word for those divided relationships. And when it feels like they're not, it's not doing any good, we continue to cry out to God in prayer because it's the right thing to do. We continue to petition and ask him to break through a stubborn heart. We continue to trust that he alone can And when we come to the end of ourselves and the very real struggle to keep trusting hits us right between the eyes over and over and over again, we stay the course. We choose faith even when it doesn't feel like we should. The parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, it tells us that God wants to continue to come to him with all our needs. Jesus reconciles wretched sinner and holy God. And he can reconcile our relationships as well. Ephesians 2, 14, and then we'll get to our text in chapter 3. He himself, that's Jesus, he is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And so the next blank on your outline. What does a healthy church look like on the inside? It's unified. It's unified. Moving forward together in the gospel. This theme continues as we uh, look at today's passage. Um, It's number one on your outline. It, It is the mystery. So you can write that down. The mystery And then if you're able to stand out of respect for the word of God, please do so as we read Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. 
that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through, through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places." According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulation for you, which is your glory. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. So this is another passage that it's really easy to get lost in all the wording but man, it's a, it's a rich passage, and hopefully it'll make even better sense as we, as we go through here. Uh, notice verse 1. It starts out, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner uh, of Jesus Christ. So what's the reason? Well, the reason is uh, for the unity of the church. Uh, because of the church, Paul was a prisoner, and so he explains the mystery Jews and Gentiles are now God's people. It doesn't matter who you are, through faith in Christ, all can be a part of the church. Now, I know that there are some who believe the church has taken Israel's place. Now, I I don't think so. I've told you before, I still believe there is something very special about Israel. Because God made an everlasting covenant with Abraham back in Genesis. And we know that God will keep his, his end of the covenant. And because I believe we see Israel in Revelation. So I don't think the church has taken Israel's place. And that's okay if you don't agree with me. But I also think there is something very special about the church. It's the mystery spoken of in these verses. The word mystery, it means something hidden from the ungodly, but plainly seen by the godly. And so what we see is this mystery is important. You can write that down. This mystery is important. A, a mystery is, is something difficult or impossible to understand. And, and we all know this world is full of mysteries. Some will never be solved, and some we don't really care about because they really don't concern us. But this one's different. It is very important. And we see it was, first of all, important to Paul. Important to the Apostle Paul. Now, there was a huge divide between Jew and and Gentile at the time of this writing. Uh, it would be absolutely unthinkable in, for Old Testament Israel uh, if Gentiles were allowed to be God's people. Jews considered Gentiles dogs. Uh, just to give you an idea of, of how they were viewed, uh, in Acts 21 and 22, these riots broke out in Jerusalem. and Some Jews stirred up these riots, stirred up the crowds because of Paul's message. So we see that Paul quieted the crowd and began telling his road to Damascus story. And so look at, look at uh, Acts 22 two. When they, the rioting crowd, heard him, Paul, speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. If we skip down to verse 21 and 22, Paul said, And then the Lord said to me, 
Go, and I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. And then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. And so that's why Paul was a prisoner. Because of his message, the mystery, that God was including non-Jewish people in his people. His face-to-face meeting with Jesus on that road to Damascus forever changed his life. And he went from being the biggest hindrance to the mystery to being willing and committed to revealing the mystery to the world. Now, remember again what that means from chapter 1. For Jews and Gentile, now alike, through Christ, we are adopted into his family. I've been born again into a family that we sang this morning What that means is, uh, remember, it was all listed earlier in Ephesians, spiritual blessings. We stand blameless before God. We are accepted by God. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. His blood was the price for our sins that God has cast as far as the east is from the west. We now have an inheritance. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And this mystery was important to Paul, and he would eventually give his life for it. Next we see this mystery is also important to angels. You can write that down. It's important to angels. And I had never really noticed this before I studied uh, for for, uh, this message. Look at verse 8 once again. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages, and hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That phrase, principalities and powers in the heavenly places, it speaks of angels and demons. Now, remember what the mystery is in verse 6 that through the gospel, The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, sharers of the promises of Jesus Christ. And where do God's people come together as one? In the church. The church is the mystery. So why does the church matter to angels? Well, keep in mind who angels are and who they are not. Angels are created beings. And we know that some rebelled against God, and so now there are good and evil angels, angels and demons. The good ones rejoice when a sinner repents, Luke 15.10 tells us. Angels are not omniscient, a word meaning um, all-knowing. They don't know everything like God does, so they learn in some ways similar to what we do. Now just consider what they have learned being in the presence of God as long as they have. Some until they were kicked out of God uh, because of their rebellion, others created. They have learned the deep mysteries of God that we may never understand. His attributes that we've only barely scratched the surface of. I was reminded of my, my A to Z list of who God is to me. Angels have experienced this. His awesomeness, his brightness, his beauty, his creativity, his deliverance, his excellence, his faithfulness, his goodness, his greatness, his help, and his hope. 
his intelligence, his jealousness, his kingship, his love, his magnificence, his no-equalness, his omniscience, his perfection, his quickness to forgive, his reasonableness, his strength, his triumph, his unyieldingness, his victory, his wonder, his extreme pursuit of sinners, his Yahweh-ness or lordship and his zealousness. And don't we know the list goes on and on and on and on. Now we know the people we live with better than anyone else does. And angels live with God. They have seen and experienced all of these and so many more. But there is one thing that God uses the mystery of the church to teach his angels something about him. Verse 10. God's intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places. Notice that word manifold before wisdom. It's a word used only here in the word of God. It means multicolored or much varied. If you know anything about an engine, think about the manifold on an engine. It comes from one spot and it multiplies to many different places. It is multifaceted. And so what this tells us, the wisdom of God has many, many, many different layers to it. The mystery of the church was important to angels because it taught them about God's multifaceted wisdom that brings both Jews and Gentiles into his family through his son, Jesus. Through the mystery of the church, they see a side of God that they had never seen before. His deep wisdom orchestrating his plan from the beginning to redeem lost sinners from every tribe, tongue, and nation. How wise and how strategic God would have to be to pull off this plan from the beginning that really would not have made any sense to angels because it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. Think about the demons. The evil angels, they learn something through this mystery as well. In the Old Testament, Satan and his, fo- his fellow demons probably felt pretty good about themselves. I mean, he introduced sin into the world. God's very own people had rejected him over and over and over again. It was not a hard sell to get them to worship idols. And even when they seemed to be heading in the right direction, they were only a generation away from, from taking the bait and turning away from God. I wonder if, if Satan was ever almost sure about his victory. Then Jesus came, and Satan led the rebellion to have him killed. But when Jesus rose from the grave, don't you know that panic began to sink in Satan's heart? And then God began forming his church. Not just Jews, not just Gentiles. Now they are together as one An army prepped with the good news of the risen Jesus on mission to spread it around the world. The mystery of the church taught the demons that God's wisdom far outsmarts their schemes of evil and darkness to destroy the light. God's manifold wisdom will prevail. 
this truth, the mystery of the church, so important. Paul gave his life for it, but also important to angels because it taught them the multi-layered wisdom of God. And we see, thirdly, it should be important to us. It should be important to us. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And therefore I ask you, do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. See, there is great purpose with the church because it is the purpose of Jesus. It's why he came. It's why he suffered. It's why he died. It's why he rose from the dead. To reconcile sinner and holy God. Notice what what the mystery gives us. In whom we, verse, verse 12, have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Tell your neighbor, that's talking about us. Go ahead and tell. In whom we, that is us, have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. The word boldness is sometimes translated as freedom. See, we're no longer slaves. We are, we are free. It's a word that means free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage, boldness, assurance. So in Christ, you and I, the wretched sinners that we are, we can approach God free and fearless with confidence and cheerful courage and boldness and assurance. And church, that should blow our minds. That our God is approachable. All this stuff that we listed earlier is true of him. He is awesome beyond anything awesome we have ever seen. He is beautiful beyond anything beautiful we've ever seen. He is creative. He delivers. He is excellent, faithful, good. And we are not... And yet, he allows us, through Christ, to approach him free and fearless with cheerful courage. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, the mercy and graciousness of our God that we experience in Christ. We can approach his throne in freedom. We're no longer slaves to fear or anger or any sin when we are in Christ. We are a child of God. Hebrews 11.1 Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We're told that we can approach his throne throne in verse 12 there with confidence. Confidence is sometimes translated as trust or reliance. And so we see faith coming in here. It was the beginning of it all and now faith sustains us. Faith in Christ gives us fearless confidence to access the throne of God. Faith in Christ gives us cheerful courage to move forward and approach our magnificent 
God. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So as we begin to close here, Paul wrote not to be discouraged specifically because of his sufferings. And don't we know it's through faith in Christ that we don't have to be discouraged through whatever sufferings we might be going through right now. The 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It is faith in Christ that makes us a part of this mystery, the church. It was important to Paul. He gave his life for it. It is important to angels because it teaches them the multifaceted wisdom of God that would bring Jew and Gentile, wretched sinner alike, and, and reconcile us with the Holy God. It should be important to you. Is the church important to you? We can acknowledge there is no perfect church. It's been said like this before. If it wasn't for the people, church would be a perfect place. But if it wasn't for the people, church wouldn't be church. Believe me, I know many of us have been hurt more by people within the church than anywhere else. I've had, I've had a pastor friend tell me that before. And, and listen, if that is you, I am, I am sorry. I know that that breaks God's heart when that happens. But if we focus on the differences and we focus on the hurts, they become bigger and bigger and bigger. But if we focus on Jesus... He alone bridges that gap between hurt and healing, between friend and enemy, between fellow heirs of Christ on the same road of faith who could all use a little encouragement. Is there anybody you need to encourage today? As we go into a time of of invitation, is there anybody that you need to encourage today? Is there anybody that you need to be reconciled with today? If you will allow him, if there is anybody, God's going to bring them, them to your mind. Who do you need to encourage today? Who do you need to be reconciled with? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And just uh, begin to allow God to move in your heart. Several questions come up with the, with the message today. Is the church important to you? Or do you kind of just take a, eh, it's all right attitude with it? Is God okay with, with, with that attitude? Because we can see in Scripture that the church, it is important. And it means so much than just a few people getting together week after week just to see our friends. There's a much deeper meaning. It's very possible that in a crowd this size, there are some, as, as the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, that you realize, well, you've never been reconciled to God 
through Jesus because you don't, you don't remember a time when you, in your life when you surrendered to the free gift of life that, that only Jesus gives. See, friend, the, the truth is our sin separates us from the holy God. Every single one of us is in the same boat. We deserve the very real place called hell because of our sin. But you see, God didn't just look on our, our shameful, sinful state and say, well, good luck with that. Good luck trying to fix yourselves. He didn't do that. He sent his only son, Jesus, to live a sinless life and to die a most terrible death in my place and in your place. And the word of God says, if you will put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross and the empty grave to cover your sins, that you will be saved and you will have eternal life in heaven. And we know that faith is is more than just knowing stories about Jesus. It's trusting in him in the deepest part of your heart. So listen, if that's you and you need to be reconciled with God, through Jesus. Today can be the day of salvation. It's just a simple prayer. It's not not magic words. It's just a simple prayer of surrender. And you can do that right where you are. For others here, there may just be some burdens that you walked in with. And sometimes the reality is uh, we know that the Lord hears us wherever we are. Sometimes we just need to bring it to the altar. So as we sing up a song, lift up a song to our awesome God, you allow allow the Lord to, to work in your heart.